Hi, CityCast listeners. On Fridays, we wrap up the week's news. I am here today with CityCast producer A.K. Al Molman and Gabrielle Barajona of the Texas Jail Project, which advocates for people incarcerated in county jails. It is Friday, September 30th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Gabriella and AK, let's talk about the news. AK, what do you think the biggest news for Houston was this week? I think that uh, the Texas Tribune's festival has been leading to some major stories, and I think one of the biggest ones... Mm -hmm. Okay, so wait, just a second. Mm -hmm. So let's back up. The Texas Tribune Festival is in Austin. It's like South by Southwest for policy wonks. Um, I was just there this week, and there were tons of politicians and political people talking about big ideas in Texas. Yeah. And one of those conversations were with uh, Senator Robert Nichols, who is from East Texas, and he spoke about the idea of maybe loosening some of the abortion restrictions that Texas has passed lately. Uh, And that has led past the festival for a leading abortion, anti-abortion group called the Texas Right to Life to drop their endorsement of the senator, saying in a Twitter thread that they're deeply disappointed by his comments and you cannot selectively choose what children should have a right to life. And it seems that what we're realizing after also another, the With Conviction uh, panel at the festival, revealing essentially that uh, a lot of district attorneys are having difficulty prosecuting in a material way uh, cases that come with uh, the abortion bans. And uh, it seems like a lot of Republicans are starting to realize that it is difficult to enforce these laws in a fundamental way. I mean, I also think it's driving home that real split in the Republican Party. I mean, we still have state legislators who are very anxious to, in fact, tighten abortion restrictions, maybe, you know, make it illegal for women to cross state lines in search of an abortion. At the same time, you've got um, the more practical wing of the party looking at what mainstream voters want. Yeah, I agree. It's it's become this very divisive issue within their own party. But a Republican district attorney had said that Taking it to such a level of criminality was something that was unexpected for some of their offices. And uh, with the vagueness of some of the laws, with some of the uh, non-structural instructions that come with how to deal with health care, essentially, for women in a very substantive way, it has become a very, very uh, messy affair for the party, especially in a state like Mm -hmm. Texas, where Governor Abbott and Ted Cruz still push for these policies as something that is substantive. And then their own party within the state are saying, hey, maybe we need to roll it back a little bit and restart and see about different implementation. Well, at least a few people in their party. I'm not sure that's where the, you know, the Republican platform definitely does not say that for our state. I agree. So I agree. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest stories is that there is that fraction in their party, at least how nominal it is. Yeah. Gabriella, what about you? What do you think the biggest story was for Houstonians this week? 
I think the biggest story for Houstonians this week was the Harris County Commissioner's Court meeting on Tuesday, where they once again took up the issue of Harris County's budget and revenue rate. And our budget is a reflection of our county leaders' values and what we prioritize in our area. Mm-hmm. Once again, uh, Precinct 3 and 4 commissioners, Cagle and Ramsey, refused to attend court, denying the full court the ability to vote on an amended revenue rate, which... So um, just this is the most basic thing, right? This involves whether or not the county can basically set its own budget. Absolutely. This is bottom line, basic governing. Um, When you think Uh of the job description of a county leader, funding its departments and its employees is the very basic thing that we would ask our commissioners and our county judge to be able to do. And I think community members feel neglected and slapped in the face by Precinct 3 and 4's unwillingness to let the court do its job. This is putting our county in a precarious position. Uh, Harris Health, which is um, our health department for the county, provides medical care, cancer screenings, behavioral health um, for hundreds of thousands of Houstonians. Um, It's facing a shortfall that will prevent them from being able to do their job. But I I think the real story lays a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Even if the court were able to pass a revenue rate and pass the proposed budget that they've had on the table for a few months now, I think that's still woefully inadequate for residents of Harris County. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know, as it is, uh, more than two-thirds of our budget goes to law enforcement and detention. So that includes the jail operations, sheriff's officers, constables. And departments, not just the Harris Health, but the library, pollution control, all sorts of departments that impact the Mm -hmm. way we live our life and enjoy our life and feel safe in our county um, and feel like we're able to thrive in our county are expressing concern that they're not able to hire the people that they need to and not able to expand the programs that we use. And for the third court in a row, a coalition of orgs, including mine, Texas Jail Project, but other organizations like the Texas Civil Rights Project, Tahare Justice Center, um, Move Texas, Restoring Justice, a really wide, broad, diverse coalition of groups were there um, metaphorically shutting the court down, bringing the court to thunderous applause to the point Judge Hidalgo had to tell people we couldn't clap, asking, <laughs> asking. And not, not a problem that <laughs> county commissioners usually have. I guess not. I yeah. guess not. Uh, demanding a life-affirming and holistic budget process, one that is bilingual or multilingual. For two months, we've been advocating for multilingual budget materials Mm -hmm. they've yet to deliver. We're urging the court to expand all Harris County financial assistance programs and services to all, regardless of citizenship status. And we had a number of program recommendations that amounted to $15 million, which might sound like a lot, but given that the Harris County budget is over $2 billion, um, we felt were high-impact, low-lift programs like a um, universal basic income pilot, mm-hmm. um, urban heat reduction program. <laughs> you have big we ideas. Have- and we can't even pass a basic budget. We can't like decide on whether or not we can raise taxes, even the slightest, Gabriella. Even the slightest. Can we do this? Well, we're... Heartened by some of the momentum we've gotten 
our presence mm-hmm. is a prayer, I would say. Uh, but we'll keep showing up. We've already gotten a commitment from yeah. the Office of Management Budget to start translating some materials and documents. We've also let commissioners know that the existing utility assistance program asks about citizenship when legally it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that that'll reflect in, um, in practice. And I think the biggest and most important change we can make is the messaging and the narrative and the story that people tell and know when they hear about commissioner's court, that the budget that exists and the proposed budget are not reflective of the needs and values of the majority of Harris County residents. Um, So we're really proud and excited. It's a hard uphill fight, but every win is a win. Mm -hmm. All right. So my biggest story for the week, uh, Gabriella, I am very interested to hear your thoughts on this, is what is going on at the Harris County Jail. The jail's population is over 10,000, which is way higher than it's supposed to be. We are getting stories about people who are being detained before they're charged for way longer than they're supposed to be. Um, And there's um, lots of stories about the pressures that are on the jail, that it's understaffed to the degree that... Uh, employees have sued saying they can't get bathroom breaks and have had to soil themselves. The guards can't leave. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first I'd echo that Harris County Jail is in crisis. 20 community members have died in Harris County Jail this year. We're leading the nation in the number of deaths. The majority of folks that die in Harris County Jail are pre-trial, meaning they're legally innocent. They've not been convicted of any crime. Um, But I think the top line is that Harris County Jail and the Harris County criminal legal system is adapting poorly to its own gluttony. This is a self-inflicted crisis that's the result of continuing to overcharge community members and set bail that they cannot afford. Um, and this is despite and bail this reform. Is despite bail reform, which affected yeah, you would say those okay. that um, were charged with misdemeanor alleged offenses. The majority of folks in Harris mm-hmm. County Jail have been charged with a felony, which is not necessarily always reflective of the realities on the ground. Eighty percent of people in Harris County Jail have a mental health indicator, meaning they have or are living with a mental illness or a disability. I have heard the Harris County Jail called one of the biggest mental health facilities in the United States. Yes, well, it is. What we say, and it is true, is that Harris County Jail is the largest confiner of people with disabilities in the state of Texas. The care that they receive, if you could call it that, is woefully inadequate. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're doing is confining folks and criminalizing them for their illness. Um, The lawsuit that you referenced from the Harris County deputies... Um, I would agree that the situation inside the jail is untenable, but I'd fundamentally disagree that the answer is more resources. Harris County Jail Operations already takes over $100 million a year from our county coffers to do nothing but exacerbate and perpetuate cycles of harm. Um, And the investigation you referenced, um, Harris County Jail, because so many people are being arrested every day and booked every day, We were submitting complaints, my organization, Texas Jail Project. We advocate for and organize with people in county jails in Texas. 
we've been canvassing at Harris County Jail every single week all throughout the summer. And we're documenting complaints of folks that were spending even six days sometimes in holding cells before even being charged. They were missing their bail hearings. But most wow. And so the state law requires that you spend no more than 48 hours before being charged, right? Hours. Okay. So this is way the heck way longer. Way the heck longer. And uh, compounding yeah. that problem is that they were being denied hygiene and water while they were being held in holding cells. So oh. our complaints. That sounds like a war crime. <laughs> it is absolutely torture. Yeah. It is absolutely torture. Yeah. And our uh, complaints resulted in the investigation from Texas Commission on Jail Standards. So Harris County Jail has 30 days to, quote unquote, solve the issue. But uh, bottom line, this is not a, a, something that can be fixed with a Band-Aid or with any kind of temporary mes- measure. It will absolutely require the district attorney to stop criminalizing our folks with disabilities in Houston um, and to let go of this narrative um, that we're at all safer by jailing people at this scale. I am hearing in the political talk surrounding the upcoming elections a ton of talk about crime. Um, You know, people are very worried about violent crime. How... Do you address that? How do you make people feel better about fewer people being in jail? The first thing I'd say is that from every side of the issue, the one thing we all agree on is that every single person in every single neighborhood deserves the feeling of being safe, cared for, and Mm -hmm. belonging. Um, That is something we all fundamentally agree on. And I think we need to ask ourselves, what kind of results are we getting from the policies that we're spending our money on? The first thing I'd say is that this is very well documented and well researched that pretrial detention, so caging, holding, jailing people before their trial, before they've been convicted, has a criminogenic effect. It actually results in more crime and harm in the community because of the level of trauma and disconnection from community resources that folks go through. So if they were... So if you're in jail and you lose your job, then you're more likely to have to commit a crime when you get out to support yourself. Certainly. Something or like that. Or be more vulnerable to something happen to you if you lose your apartment yeah. or your job or... Or if your marriage falls apart. Absolutely. Or, your ties to your community, yeah. you're going to church every week. Um, seeing your doctor, like the, the biggest, one of the biggest dangers is the interruption in your care. If folks are seeing their doctor, we've worked with folks that were in the middle of receiving chemotherapy that because they were charged with an alleged offense that they would later be dismissed or even acquitted on, you know, would miss two months of chemotherapy. Um, wow. So this is a criminogenic effect. Um, I'd also say that Harris County Jail itself is a very dangerous site of violence. It is not an apparatus or a, you know, um, like a dam, you know, keeping the county from danger. Uh, folks inside are our community, whether we want to, we like that or not. They are Harris County residents and and they're being exposed to a massive amount of violence, trauma, dehumanization, degrading language inside and if there's one thing we all know, it's that violence is contagious, that hurt people hurt people. And 
our current system and our current priorities of spending to quote unquote address crime are fundamentally not working. And we need to be looking at generational investments in social supports, in built environment, in the neighborhoods that we live in, um, if we really want every resident to feel safe and not just those in wealthy zip codes. All right. So, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most overlooked story was this week? What should have gotten more attention? It's the continuation of this uh, Katie incident that happened this past week. And now today it's gotten updated even further. What what incident? Uh, what are you talking so about? So yeah. a church in Katie held essentially like a drag uh, show and tell for kids and stuff like that. It was a very wholesome event. Some of the kids there were dealing with transition issues and stuff like that. And they felt really heard. Uh, but outside mm-hmm. of the church, there was this protest that happened that eventually grew to include Nazi groups, uh, extremist right wing groups, and even Proud Boys appeared over there. And there was an accusation for one of KDISD's board members that they had appeared and uh, protested along with the Nazis and the white supremacists. But they had clarified during a board meeting that they were at either a previous or a smaller gathering of other Catholics that were doing a rosary and a prayer uh, for it, and that he was still concerned for the sexualization of our children. And so uh, while he tried to disavow the white supremacist groups, the Catholics don't associate mm-hmm. with those types of people, the their their smaller Catholic protests ended up attracting a huge subset of those types of people. So it's a very interesting thing, especially with these types of board members banning certain books across the United States. It's kind of building this narrative of, well, what type of voices and what type of organizations are we trying to give a platform to when we're elected officials in the state or even in the city. Wow. Gabriella, what do you think should have gotten more attention this week? I would say uh, Billy Davis's story and death. Billy Davis was a Harris County resident who was arrested earlier this year and is one of the hundreds of people who have been transferred forcibly out of county, um, even out of state because Harris County Jail is so overcrowded, like we talked about. Billy Davis was transferred across state lines to Louisiana and was the first community member to die in LaSalle Corrections, which is the private prison facility. To date, we have very few or none, no answers about what happened to Billy Davis in LaSalle Corrections. Uh, The Harris County Sheriff's Office has fought us all the way up to the attorney general in blocking Public Information Act requests. Billy Davis, when looking at his record, seems to have never even received a bail magistration hearing where he would have had the opportunity to request pretrial release or a bond he may have been able to afford. And as such, he died alone, um, eight hours away from his community, eight hours away from his attorney, and we still have no answers. Uh, I think people need to know we're spending $50 million a year to private prisons. Uh, LaSalle is the same company that operated an ICE facility where migrant women were being sterilized. This is the same co- company we're paying to house folks we don't have room for. 
Um, and at, as we uh, saw it, it with deadly consequences. So I think everybody should know Billy Davis's name, honor his life um, and keep pushing to hold the county accountable for these dangerous contracts. So the story that I have been watching is taking place mainly in Florida. As we speak, we're recording on Thursday. Hurricane Ian is ripping through Florida and, you know, as somebody who has lived through hurricanes, man, I feel for what people there are going through. But what sort of seems like the longer-term story for Houston is the speed at which this hurricane picked up. Um, on Monday morning, its wind speed was 75 miles an hour. By Wednesday, it was 155 miles per hour. When it made landfall, it was just shy of being a Category 5, which is the roughest, meanest category of hurricane. And the fact that it intensified so fast means that Florida had less time to figure out what to do. It, there's less time to figure out where this thing is coming ashore, less time to figure out who absolutely must be evacuated and to get them out. And we're seeing a lot more of this with global warming and for the Houston area where we get hurricanes, this is alarming. This is something we have got to be ready for. Best way we can describe it over the past couple years now is that we've essentially just gotten lucky uh, to avoid some of the, I mean, the one that hit Louisiana last year, this one that's hitting Florida right now. So it is It is not a case of that we are not going to see another Harvey again. It's just that so far we have gotten lucky. And with global warming and with our levels rising so dramatically, um, I don't know how long this luck is going to last mm -hmm. for us. I think there's such a solidarity and kinship with our fellow Gulf Coast neighbors and I would just shout out my our friends at Fight Toxic Prisons. If folks are interested in helping them call and advocate for prisoners in the path of Ian, um, definitely look up Fight Toxic Prisons and solidarity to all our Gulf Coast brothers and sisters. All right. On a lighter note, AK, what is something that has made you happy this week? Okay. I keep bringing food, but I can't help it. Houston <laughs> is just such a place where you keep discovering uh -huh. new and incredible places like these hidden gems all across the city. And I believe it was on Wednesday night. I went out to this cute little Italian place called Spaghetti Westerns. I was so surprised because there wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of people in there and stuff like that. But is this near the southern part of the Heights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. by East Jester. It's on Franklin Street. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Such a quaint little spot. Beautiful little patio. Uh, the weather was so nice that day. And the food was incredible. The portions are big enough. You can order one thing. Appetizers are big enough. I think you, sh you shouldn't order more than two because you'll be full before your food gets there. And your food... <laughs> Like I got <laughs> you ordered two appetizers before. And uh, yeah, it was it was me and two of my friends. It was two, uh, me right. and two of All my right. friends. Yeah. Uh, OK, not just uh, yeah, you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I eat 
a lot, surprisingly, for my size, <laughs> but but not that much. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I got this blackened chicken pasta. It was delicious. I don't know how they do their Alfredo sauce. I don't know if they put something in their Alfredo sauce, but it is to die for. It's incredible. I'm addicted already. I'm probably going to order them for lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gabriella, what about you? What's made you happy this what week? What made me happy this week was going to a football game. I say football, I mean soccer, but I'm Honduran. I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never accept yes. yes. football. Yes. <laughs> so on Tuesday, I made my happy way down to PNC Stadium for a friendly match between Honduras, the motherland, and Guatemala. It was really fun to be surrounded by thousands of Central Americans, uh, putting our rivalry aside to sing our favorite songs. Honduras <laughs> took the match two to one, which was really exciting. And I took the bus and the train to get there. It was easy as could be. It was just a really beautiful night um, that felt like Houston. Um, and I highly recommend going down for a football game whenever you can. Oh, I love that. I echo this 100%. The PNC Stadium is so nice. The train stops right in front of it. And with the weather getting better, East Downtown is such a great spot for like any of those sporting events you want to go to. Yes, yes. I 100% agree with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And then go dance at Paradise Palace afterward. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And go get a burger at Rodeo Goat. Fantastic. Oh, y'all have plans. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, the thing that just, delights me right now is simply the weather. Mm. It feels like summer ended this week that suddenly, oh my gosh, I wore a layer this morning (laughs) when I went out to walk the dog. It was such a small thrill. We made it. Uh, We made it. It's so nice. It's so nice. I'm so excited for the fall. This recent heat wave has been a menace and I'm very much excited for Fall weather, fall clothing, fall drinks, all of it. I'm so excited. I will say I overreacted Tuesday morning. I put my Uggs on and a fleece <laughs> and a fleece onesie and I was sweating. <laughs> I, I was a little excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I overreacted. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. All right, y'all. This has been Thanks, so fun. Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. That was CityCast's A.K. Almoman and Gabriela Barahona of the Texas Jail Project. We will have links to some of the stuff that we talked about in our show notes. That is it for our show today. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba, who's about to go on maternity leave. Our producers are Carleon Jones and A.K. Almoman. Our newsletter writer is Brooke Lewis. And our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. I'm Lisa Gray, your host, and we will be back on Monday. Talk with you then.